Random Camp Podcast. <laughs> this is a podcast where four therapists, three of us Canadian, one of us American, serve you cutting edge mental health knowledge. I'm Dr. Ryan House, a clinical psychologist from Pasadena, California. And I'm Dr. Brooke Lewis, a registered clinical counselor from the Vancouver area in Canada. And I'm Joanna Boyd, a registered clinical counselor also from the greater Vancouver area in Canada. I'm Chris Boyd, psychotherapist from Vancouver area. And? And I am friends with Ryan and Brooke. <laughs> Party hard. <laughs> yes. Friends with Ryan Brooke and a sibling to Joe. You can't escape it. It's the way it is. Hey, everybody. Happy Earth Day 2021. Indeed. Did you do any Earth Day things? I went outside and enjoyed the Earth for a while. For a, <laughs> How did you do that? I just went for a jog, enjoyed the oh. fresh air. It actually sprinkled a little here today. It was kind of nice. Um, it, was a, it was a beautiful day. Not too hot. And I, I'm grateful to the earth for providing that to me. Wonderful. Yes. How about you guys? I was inside all day, just working. <laughs> yeah. I didn't I didn't really do anything different, unfortunately. I didn't yeah. yeah. I uh had to have the lights on to work. I had to use my computer and tonight, mm. other than well, see these lights are on behind me, even I can turn those off. Anyways, but I was outside for a little bit, appreciating nature, uh, for sure. But yeah. you have a it. shrub behind you. You have a little, little plant back there. Uh -huh. Oh, you have three. Wow. Uh -huh. Your head was hiding the other two. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, <four. laughs> wow. I can just I can just keep going. They're everywhere. Wow. I'm showing I'm okay. showing plants to those listeners and people who can yeah not see us but anyways yeah how about uh, Chris Brooke how about you guys people yeah it was a beautiful day so I got off a little earlier today at 5 15 and uh, hung out outside for a while so really appreciate it I've been doing that uh, mindfulness exercise lately you know the uh the five things you see the four, four things, things you hear here yeah is it three things you can touch Three things. things. I think you got me all mixed up now. I think it was five, <laughs> five things you can see, four things you can touch, three things you hear, two things you, you got can it. See, one thing that you can taste. Um, tasting part was a little more tricky outside, but uh, I figured something out. Did you eat a flower? <laughs> I did. No, I just had a, luckily I had a bubbly, sparkling water close by. Very nice. Yes. I've heard that called a grounding technique. Mm -hmm. You call that, or, is it, or just a, a general one of the many mindfulness exercises? Yeah, it seems to be a lot of overlap there, right? Yeah. But um, yeah, definitely a grounding exercise. The idea that you're grounding in your in your senses, you're just being very aware of what's going on in your senses, which means you can't really be jumping ahead to the scary things of the future or regretting the things of your past you've got to be right here and now right for sure just trying to figure out the order of what to what to do next there we go right that's cool that's good yeah no i didn't get uh, i was just telling these guys before we started recording i got i had a 
quite a long day, so I don't think I got much uh, Mother Earth time. I did go for a stroll this morning. I've been getting up, putting my sweatpants and stuff on right away and taking my dogs out immediately for a walk instead of waiting until later in the day. So that was nice. Got to hear lots of birds and stuff. Um, mm. But being Earth Day, I'm going to make a plug for a local company that we have up here. We have a company, True Earth, and uh, their mission, they're trying to reduce plastics, um, as many companies are. So they have patented, patented um, like laundry detergent that comes in strips. So the strips come in a like a cardboard envelope. So it's like reduced capacity, so it doesn't take up a lot of room. You can recycle the cardboard packaging and then these strips, you just throw one in your wash and then uh, you're good to go. And then today I noticed they released an all-purpose cleaner strip. I don't know. Oh, no. how does that work? So similar, it's just like this little strip. And then um, if you want to use it for like cleaning counters or bathrooms or whatever, you just like put it in, if you already have a spray bottle, put it in the spray bottle with warm water and it dissolves. And then you can use that as an all-purpose cleaner. If you want to use it as toilet bowl cleaner, it's a half a strip. You rip it apart, throw it in your toilet bowl, it'll dissolve, and then you can clean. Uh, if you're washing the floors, you put a full strip in your bucket. There might be two strips for that. And then, yeah, have at her. Wow. It breaks it down. Cool. So no waste, no plastics are used. Super cool company. Um, and they're local out of our community, about a seven-minute drive away from where I live probably from where each of us lives actually so yeah yeah pretty cool company cool dudes right. so they're trying to take over all the cleaning anything that you would need for your uh laundry kitchen or bathroom eventually they want to have products for that so uh can i brush my teeth with it brooke not yet or take a strip and put it under my armpits for deodorant not yet but maybe soon huh maybe so ABC. I'll do a plug for this company because they they're pretty cool people. Cool. All right. Mental Health Bootcamp podcast brought to you by True Earth. Well, not really. They're not a sponsor. No. Either, so we'll no. <laughs> well, that sounds really great, though. That's that sounds like a very forward-thinking sort of a group. Wouldn't it be great if we actually had sponsors and every like <laughs> like 15 minutes we have to stop and just talk about our sponsors oh Did we you have like do that? our parents oh yeah there's always commercial breaks and it goes through all the different sponsors or or, or yeah everything yeah, but just a shout out to our mom and dad for the unconditional support all right well let's get back <laughs> to things you know thank you to dennis boyd and associates yeah yeah you have to mail things but hate going to the post office stamps.com there's yeah always those sorts of little ads and oh yeah i would love to do those though i think we'd do a great job at it so i think so too if any of you listeners out there know of anyone who may want to sponsor a podcast we're we're open we're, we're yeah. receiving pitches now yeah um uh just a little update for you guys uh i did reach out to uh, United States Surgeon General Vivek Murthy and uh, tried to see if he would join us on the podcast next week for our book club where we're discussing the book together written by him and I have not yet heard back. I'm sure it's on his list 
I'm sure he's going to get back to us. He probably doesn't have much else to do next Thursday. Uh, but I did reach out. I haven't heard back yet. Thanks, Ryan. Hey, no nice problem. Hey, for effort. There's still time. There's still time. There's still time. I'm sure he's like, gosh, I've got nothing to do if he's in D.C. It's like, I've got nothing to do next Thursday at midnight. So yeah, maybe I should be on this podcast. <laughs> we'll see. Um, but I got to say, you guys, that book, it makes an impact. Uh, I'm not going to say much more than that, except to say that I have finished the book. Oh, I, I have finished not. it. Neither have I. I'm halfway. Okay. Halfway. Well, hope you guys have some reading time this weekend because yeah. we're, we're, we got a deadline. Uh, we do. I think we will. It's uh, we're only allowed to hang out with people outside and this weekend's supposed to be very rainy, which means less hangout time, more reading time. Oh man. Ah, uh, there we go. Well, good. Yeah. I'm going to have a lot of things to talk about. I hope you will yeah. too. I think so. Yes. So that's it, everyone. The podcast next week will be our first ever book club together by Dr. Vivek Murthy. And, uh, and I think it'll be fun. So I think so, too. I think so, too. I think so, three. I think so, four. All right. So predictable, Chris. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> Let's let's hop to our topic tonight, shall we? Sure. I don't know Can what I that is. It? It's oh, not yet. It's Brooke's topic tonight. She's the only one who knows what it is. This is the ambush. She ambushes me, or us. She ambushes us with the topic, and we have to try to respond. So hit it, Brooke. Just oh man, I'm nervous. Now. It's often a doozy. Um. <laughs> that's a good sign wow okay i'm not sure all right i'm just gonna read what was sent to me from <laughs> who i think is brooke i'm not sure okay do you think aliens could actually be humans from the future future who learned how to time travel <laughs> i'll send another one i was just being funny oh, oh. <laughs> Oh, that was good. Wow. She <laughs> really got herself. Like, Look at got her. She's lost it. She's in tears <laughs> over her own oh, joke. So good. <laughs> I needed that today. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great response, Ryan. That's, that is perfect. Do you think ants could actually be humans for the future and learn how to time travel? That's good. Uh, <laughs> Makes me wonder about the uh, the legality of cannabis up there. I'm not sure where you guys what the status is. Um, <laughs> Brooke is in tears. It's great. It's so good. Okay, I sent a real topic. We could we could talk about some things regarding this one, but okay, maybe some other time. All right, here's the real topic. Not quite as funny, but. Uh, so lots of lots to talk about here. All right. How do you oh boy? She's gone. She's got a case of the giggles now. Twirling around. Yeah. Oh boy. Go for it. Go for it. Okay. 
How do you support a family member who is going through mental health challenges? Mm. Right? How do you support a family member who's going through mental health challenges? That is a much more serious topic, but a, uh, a really important one and valuable. So support a family member going through mental health challenges. I've certainly encountered this in, in therapy. Um, as far as like having a client who's going through mental health challenges and like the family's not sure, well, what can we do to, to help? How do we, um, how do we be part of the, the cure and not part of the problem, right? Or what can we do to, to support and, and uplift our family member? Uh, I've even had people who came to therapy with the sole reason of, hey, I have a child, sister, parent, someone who is, uh, is they're going through some mental health problems. And I don't know what to do. So kind of like I'm there to they want to learn from me. And they also kind of need their own support to help their own family member. So this is something that's that's that I've encountered a bunch. Have you guys seen this before? Yeah, I think it's safe to say that you know, everyone experiences a mental health challenge at some point. So the probability or the chances are very, very, very high that everyone's experienced um, either themselves experiencing a mental health challenge or a family member or someone in their close social network. So I think this topic is going to resonate with a lot of people. I think so too. I just noticed uh, recently, well, this topic comes up a lot in session uh, from parents or family members in general reaching out trying to help mm -hmm. but definitely I've noticed more here recently with uh parent teen dynamics um just because I feel that teenagers and early people in their early 20s it's like extremely difficult for that population right now because mm -hmm. it's so centered around being social and they're not able to do those things right so um I feel that the emotional mental health challenges have been increasing and then that's putting obviously more stress on not stress but concern on family and friends and they want to know what to do to help so yeah yeah it's, it's an interesting topic because i think in a lot of ways there's some common themes in terms of how to support a family member but also there is some some maybe some unique ways based on what the presenting issues are so how you support someone with uh, who's experiencing depression versus anxiety versus addiction, for instance, I think the approach may vary uh, according to the presenting issues. That is certainly true. Uh, I think there are also we're going to want to mention maybe what what might not what what might not be helpful for some of these folks, right? And uh, and what might not be helpful for the family member. You know, get into some areas like like codependence and that sort of thing, where where like an enmeshment, like where when is enough enough, right? Okay, so I think it might be helpful to start with maybe a, a hypothetical or something, you know, because we could just talk in general about a lot of things, but maybe we we could just use a a kind of a generic case study here to start with. So let's say that you are a, um, let's say it's a sibling. We'll start with that. We'll go with equal. You, you are, 
your brother or sister seems to be going through some, uh, let's say depression. They're withdrawing from, uh, from social situations uh, beyond what COVID restrictions might be. They are uh, kind of non-responsive, tend to be, uh, they don't return your texts. You, you get concerned about their moods and they seem to be irritable or sad or just kind of low energy. So there we have a family member going through a mental health issue. How might we proceed, do you think? Yeah, um, I think one, uh, I think you kind of captured it there is if the family member is kind of deviating from the norm. So if they're acting differently from their baseline. So you mentioned um, maybe staying in the room more or um, losing motivation to do things, not seeing friends as much. Um, for a quiet, like a lot of parents don't exactly know what's going on um, with their kids or uh, siblings as well. You may not fully understand it. Um, so I guess in that circumstance, it'd probably be likely sadness or depression, right? Sure, that's what it sounds like. I guess it could be anxiety as well a bit too, perhaps. Well, regardless, you're noticing something's going on. I don't think it's even necessary for the family member to diagnose even, they're just- yeah. Noticing there's something something's changed, right? Um, I guess right off the bat, just just seems so simple. But um, reaching out to that individual, if you notice they're not themselves, or all the different things that were just listed, hey, just want to check in, see how you're doing. I noticed that you're kind of withdrawing, or it seems like you're having a tough time. Um, do you want to talk about it, or how can I support you? Um, Sometimes people might need a non-judgmental space to just be able to talk. Um, and so it's important for if you're whoever you're supporting to really go in just with the intention to hear um, and to listen, because uh, sometimes that's what someone might need in that moment. Yeah. So checking in would be, I guess, what I think of. Joanna, can you uh, maybe go into what the difference between non-judgmental listening versus judgmental listening? Because I think sometimes our clients or people that I know think they're non-judgmentally listening. Mm -hmm. They're listening well. And then when you kind of witness it or hear it, you're like, oh, okay, I see where we could fine tune a little bit. Yeah, I guess, um, I think it kind of gets into a little bit of what does listening even mean, I guess, right? Like, to listen to someone you don't necessarily need to agree or fully understand but it's just to be able to listen to kind of check in like oh this is you seem really sad is this what I'm hearing or I hear you're upset about this uh, you're not putting your own opinion on it so you're not saying things like why would you feel that way you have nothing to feel down about like um oh come on not a big deal um you know don't feel calm that down way. don't feel that way look there's so much to be grateful for or like just if you, you know like just I guess judgment could come across as more dismissive language yeah like don't feel like that um yeah I don't get it why are you even you have nothing to be depressed about um or if someone shares something and you're like you might just have a yeah I think of judgment just simply that I guess like you said yeah you might you even, might have a response even trying to jump in and fix it like well have you tried have you tried totally. medication? Have you tried yeah. uh, gratitude? You know, even just jumping in with a solution without yeah. really hearing the person first and maybe 
waiting for them to ask for an opinion, you know, that can yeah. feel judgmental. Yeah. Like you're just saying, well, you're dumb for not trying this thing. Yeah. Because yeah. if that's your initial response or if you're, if you wonder, like, seem like, oh, I don't get it. That's weird. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. That person's going to shut down. They're not going to open up to you. Um, you know, this is not a space to share your opinion unless it's asked for um, or to go into fix it mode. Cause they might not want ideas. They might just need a, a kind ear to listen. And another thing people tend to might do, which I guess goes into the don'ts a little bit would be, Oh, I know exactly how you feel or this. Oh, I, I relate to that. Or let me tell you about this time. Or I know so-and-so, you know, like going right into their yeah examples. I think people try to relate a little bit or try to show that person, Hey, I know how you feel, but that can come across as well, you don't know how I feel exactly. You're not in my shoes and you're not really even listening to what I'm going through right now. You're just switching the direction a little bit. It's true. Yeah. I had uh, many clients, so you got to be very careful in saying that um, you want to stay away from those words. I know what it's, or I know how that feels, right? It's more using, using words like, um, yeah, that must be very tough for you. Or just again, the active listening piece is so important. I think it's okay to, to come out and, and try to name whatever you're noticing, right? Oh, it seems like you're feeling really down. You're feeling, seems like you're feeling very anxious. If you're wrong, they're probably going to correct you. But the main goal Which is, is okay. Mm-hmm. That dialogue, right? And um, I know when for a family member, it can be very awkward and you don't want to see a family member hurting. So it's a great point. Sometimes you want to get in there and try to fix it and, and offer your wisdom, but be, be very cautious in doing so. You probably. Just, just listen and try, really try to understand what they're experiencing, the emotion beneath the words. Um, if you can be, you can focus on the act of listening, I guarantee you it's going to benefit them. Who wants to role play that right now? I have a, I'm the one who's withdrawing. Who's going to be my caring friend or sibling or family member? I've had the, enough work hours today. I'm not actively listening anymore. <laughs> the I'm passively listening to your conversation. Way to set a boundary, Brooke. Mm-hmm. I love it. Chris, are you up for that? I can do it, sure. <clears throat> okay. So I'm I'm ho-humming around the house and I'm withdrawn and I look just kind of sour. So sour. Yeah. So you tell me. You, you go ahead and <laughs> intervene. Okay. Hey Ryan, how's it going? Uh, it's it's a crappy day, man. Yeah, I've noticed that you've had quite a few crappy days lately. Are you doing okay? Well, uh, I uh, I'm all right. I don't know. I I'll get over it. It's not a big deal. Okay. Do you want a hug? No, <laughs> just kidding. Um, that's that's tough. Like, is there anything I can do to help you out, or what's you know what's going on? You know. It's just that I reached out to somebody to try to get a response and I couldn't get a response. And it just feels like, uh, you know, it's just worthless. I, I like, like no one ever listens to me, you know, all I want is for the surgeon general to come on our show and he's not even writing back. And I'm, I'm bummed out about that. Yeah. It seems kind of rough. Nice talks. Yeah. Yeah. What do you yeah, what do you usually do when you feel this way? I mope around, really. I guess it guess it kind of goes away after a few days. 
But, you know, it feels good to talk about it, I guess. Yeah. Can I do something to help you out or? Yeah. Will you write him too? Sure. I'll write him too. Great. We're in this together. Together. Sponsored by Together. But that was, anyway, that, that was very good job, Chris. Thank you very much. I mean, yeah. there, it, it sounds very simple, but there were actually a lot of things that Chris didn't do that, that were very important, right? During that. So just from the stuff we were talking about. He didn't push too hard. He just gave me an invitation to say, you know, hey, you want to talk about it? You know, I've noticed you've got feelings of great. You know? Yeah, I nudged a bit. I asked a couple of times, right? Because you. Yep. So, and then you eventually you opened up a little bit. And, mm-hmm. But I tried not to push too you didn't hard. You did push but, too hard. But also, it's very casual, right? Like, uh, usually these conversations happen in a very casual way. Not like, hey, we got to sit down. And, you know, it might be more in passing. Right. And, and as mentioned before, you didn't jump in with, oh, you shouldn't feel bad. You know, it's a bright, sunny day outside. What's, what's wrong, you know? Or, um, well, did you try writing him again? Or all these different, or even joining in and saying, yeah, I felt, I feel that way a lot of times myself, right? I know exactly what you're feeling. I know exactly how that felt. So I pause on that because I know that this is something that, for some people, this comes very easily to be a non-judgmental listener. For other folks, it really is, is hard to, to res- kind of restrain yourself from uh, trying to fix the problem or trying to kind of over-empathize with them uh, or push them too hard. Come on, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, you know? When you could really be doing some, could be pushing them away through those actions. Uh, so yeah, and- Mm-hmm. Well, just off that, Ryan, you could, you know, if someone you can check in and say, yeah, hey, you seem kind of down or I noticed you're kind of spending a lot of time on your by yourself. Like, you know, do you want to talk about it or is there, you know, how are you doing? And if they're like, no, I don't want to talk about it right now. You can kind of do another nudge like Chris did or you'd be like, OK, well, yeah, you know, this is where you can find me or, you know, if you do want to chat a bit later um, or, hey, maybe it's OK. Maybe I'll check in with you tomorrow. But no pressure, but I'll just, because yeah. um, sometimes people who especially are going through feeling really low, they might not reach out. Um, so sometimes it's good to just every now and then just check in because, yeah, yeah they might need That's that. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like if, if, if Ryan didn't give me anything next, then it might be like you back off a bit, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Maybe don't take it approach, personally. Yeah, next approach might be, why don't we do something together? Hey, I'm going to go run some errands when I come with me. Or I'm going to watch a show, spend some time together. So it's more just being around the person, probably the next move, perhaps. Mm-hmm. It's tricky, though, because, you know, if time goes on and the person's kind of closed off and you're realizing that things are intensifying, you're getting worse, then what do you do next? What would the next move be? Well, that's where we get to like, yeah, some more advanced stuff of like some real resistance, right? If someone is, seems like they're really shut shut off and don't respond to those kind of gentle invitations to join with me in conversation, you know, tell me what's going on. Um, then, then you have to sort of start making some decisions, don't you? Yeah. You know, you have to decide, okay, uh, is there more that I can do here myself? Do I need to 
get some other people involved. Um, is there is there someone I need to tell <laughs> that this is going yeah. on, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and it gets gets a little little more confusing, so or a little more complicated. And just even in the just reminding them too, right? Like it's um, whatever you're feeling, it's okay. Um, and you know, it, it can be scary to share or, but I want you to know, I'm going to do my best to listen or, you know, so there's no judgments or shame no matter where you are, like, you don't need to be alone with this and, you know, just kind of the laying it out. Cause they, I don't know, sometimes people might like to hear that, or at least it's nice to know yeah. you're not alone. It's okay to feel mm -hmm. it's okay to not be okay. Yep. I think it's also while we're talking about reaching out and connecting, I think it's very important to do that, those touches or to offer, you know, and to join in activities or connection. Um, I think it's also important during that time as a friend or family member, not to make every conversation from that moment about on that. if you realize that something's going on about that thing. Mm, so true. Great about point. the depression or the anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, mm -hmm to put such a spotlight is just going to make them more uncomfortable or vulnerable. Yeah. So it might be nice to mix it up with just a normal, whatever you would normally converse about, right? Totally. Like, how was your day? Or, Oh, um, I saw this funny joke and I thought you might like it or whatever. And what that might be about is you as the concerned family member containing your own anxiety, right? Because yeah. because if you find that that's all you're thinking about and that's all you're talking about with that person, it probably means that you're feeling really anxious, you know, and concerned about about their well-being. Um, but the the hounding them about the, the question about how they're feeling and what's going on, how are you doing, um, is not going to make issues better. Or rarely would that make anything better. Mm -hmm. So you might have to you might have to think about like, okay, this makes me really anxious. What do I need to do about my own anxiety? You know. Do I need to talk to another loved one or a therapist or something about how make, this makes me feel uh, or practice grounding techniques or breathing exercises or something like that so that I can just say, okay, I'm, I'm taking care of me first, really. Yeah, and I think that's also really important because the person who's struggling, I think can really pick up on that. So if you're not able to hold space or be able to hold that emotion for your loved one, they, I think they'll just naturally share less with you. They're, I think this is like a subconscious cue that they pick up on that if you're struggling or if you're over asking, they might be like, I don't think that they can handle it if I share that with them. Yes, true. You know, cause that's a, it's a, a lot to unload. And often people who are struggling are worrying that they're gonna be a burden to those mm -hmm. around them. So if they unload and then that person is now freaking out and um, or becomes more anxious, they're, that actually will make them recoil more. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And I don't know if we want to fast forward to, hey, you know for sure that this person is kind of dealing with some depression or they've talked to you and you kind of know where they're at and this has been going on for months or even years. Like, um, you know, how do you continue to support that person or how do you continue to take care of yourself as that sibling or that partner? Um, that's a big part of it too, right? Encouraging because you're not, 
it's not all on you as their loved one to make things better or to fix things, but you also want to, how do you support them to support themselves or how do you navigate kind of their ups and downs? Right. Mm-hmm. So we don't need to go necessarily, we don't need to talk about that necessarily, but I just feel like once you're past that whole figuring out what's going on, yeah. um, supporting someone with ongoing mental health challenges, it's hard. It can be very hard. Yeah. There's definitely like a parallel processing that can happen where the client themselves mm-hmm. start to feel so powerless over mm-hmm. their mental health if it's prolonged and severe. And then family members can sometimes feel that exact same powerlessness over not being able to help their loved one. So now we have two people going through the same feelings. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Tracking each other a bit there. So it can be challenging. Certainly can. Okay, so so let's say you you know in this scenario with the depressed kind of withdrawing loved one, you do your non-judgmental listening, and they open up and they start talking about it a little bit, and uh, you know maybe they feel reconnected, and that may be all you need to do. You know, when we're talking about someone just being stressed out and kind of withdrawing a bit, you may just need to read, you know, just invite them back into conversation. And that may be the extent of your interventions, really. You know, try to keep that line of communication open. And uh, for some folks, that will be the end of the story as far as intervening with a, a loved one. Yeah. But for others, either you may encounter either more resistance than that. Or the issues may be more severe than that. Just, you know, I'm, I'm having a bad day or I'm upset about someone not writing me back to be on the Mental Health Bootcamp podcast. But, um, you know, there may be more to it than that. It may be more complex. Maybe we're talking about some more significant uh, mental health issues as well that won't be cured with a conversation with a loved one. Right. So let's travel the, the resistance route first, right? Someone is just like, nah, I don't wanna, you can't make me talk. What, what do you do then? If someone just is pretty stubbornly, defiantly not wanting to talk to you. And yet you can tell there's really, there's something, there appears to be something significant going on. Yeah, I, I think it differs based on whether it's child, like if it's a teenager, a child, and you're a parent mm-hmm. versus a sibling. I think uh, parents have, obviously, developmentally speaking, uh, children and teens, it could be a bit of a roller coaster. And uh, they're in a position where they may have a bit more clout or, or a little more flexibility or ability, I guess, to, to, um, to, um, encourage their child or teen to get the support they need but i i think sitting down and um saying hey you know i've uh, i've been noticing that things are you've been having a bit of a challenging time and and uh, i know it's not easy to talk about these types of things but you know i'm I'm worried about you and so maybe being specific in terms of some of the things that you've been noticing as well as um you know maybe suggesting that they they reach out or talk to someone or because these are not behaviors or of someone who is having a great time. So we're hoping that maybe a little more of a upfront or fire fireside chat can, can maybe uh, encourage them to, to get a bit more support. 
So yeah, you're talking about kind of trying to bring it out in the open, kind of trying to, to, to at least let them know that you see them, right? Hey, I see you. And what I see seems, everything you're, you're, you're communicating to me says that there's some struggle going on, there's some pain going on. And I'm here for you. And, you know, if you need anything, please feel free to reach out or I'll try to reach out again later. And if you keep getting kind of the door slammed in your face there, uh, and again, it's a parent child, then yeah, I think you're, you're gonna have to try to step it up a bit, right? Like, okay, um, we're, let's, we may, you know, let's collaborate on this. Let's see how we can work together on this. You know, you seem to be unhappy being around your friends. Or you don't wanna be around your friends. What can we do to, to brainstorm and, and help solve this problem? Um, uh, huh. And if it's yeah. again, it's a parent and child thing, then and if you have a spouse that maybe you might want to let them in on that to let them know what's going on so that uh, you can have kind of a coordinated effort. Yeah, that collaborative approach, right? Yeah. So um, asking questions and, and seeing if they, the family member has some ideas in terms of what, what they can do to make themselves feel better, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not coming down and saying, I know what you need to do. It's trying to make it, yeah. Um, working as a team there in that circumstance. That's right. That's right. So, uh, and if we're talking about, again, like a sibling or another, like a cousin or something like that, where it's not the, the power dynamic of the parent child, um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's really fair game to just say, I, I tell you, I'm, I'm really concerned. Um, you know, this is, uh, this is not not the behavior that I've seen from you before or not not the way that you've acted in the past. I'm really concerned about you. And, uh, you know, I hope that you'll accept some help if uh, if some's offered, you know. Um, yeah. Or maybe vet some of that help or say I heard good things about this, this therapist or so that maybe that's where you can offer a little bit of feedback. That might be an opportunity to do so. Sure. Sure. Here's the thing. Uh, just to, to go to the, the extreme of this, uh, at least in the States, you can't force someone to go to therapy unless there's something, unless they're of grave danger to themselves or others. You know, if someone is just uh, withdrawn, if it's an, if we're talking about an adult who just seems to be acting differently and is withdrawn, but they're not harming themselves or not harming anybody else. You can't do anything more than invite them, you know. You can't force. Yeah, same with up here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And and sometimes people, at least down here, they don't like that. <laughs> you know, the, if they're a family member, they're like, "Well, you know, she needs to take care of herself, or she needs to." Do, you know, people still have kind of free will, and they can do. Uh, they have in, independent rights and and freedoms, and we can't make anyone do that. And especially when it comes to getting help. Um, I mean, one of the, the common things that uh, I've heard, I heard in graduate school was that almost all sorts of therapy, almost all types of therapy help people uh, in general, except for uh, court-ordered therapy. Court-ordered therapy doesn't generally, I mean, it helps some people, but it doesn't help many. And, and why is that? Well, because they have no real investment in being there. They're forced to go. 
if someone is forced to go to therapy, then they don't really, you know, they're, they're just doing it to check a box. They don't really want to be there. It's not to say it all, it never works, but just generally speaking, it's, it's one of the least effective forms of therapy uh, or venues for therapy. And the same thing goes, I think if you try to force someone, a loved one to go to therapy, that's basically just court ordered and they're going to, you know, watch the clock and try to write it out. And unless they find a reason for themselves to go, it's probably not going to work. And I think in those circumstances in private practice, if it is a family member going, they're almost using it as a C, like a, like a kind of a scapegoat or, you know, something to point their fingers at and say, see, I went and it didn't work. Yes. I did what you wanted me to do. I went to therapy and it didn't work. Yep. Uh, or even a self-fulfilling prophecy. I guess that was more the term I was looking for, right? Where, and then it's like, see, no one can fix me. I'm broken. And that might feed into the depression or the anxiety or whatever that might be. More reason to push people away. Yeah. So yeah, free will for sure. Um, so if it's a sibling, then you can still, you know, based on your free will. So reach out to the person and check in every couple of days and see how they're doing. Someone, that question hold on, that we, uh, just hold on a second. Is yeah. someone tossing yeah. around a bag of pennies or something? Oh, is Joanna's hair on her microphone? Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, let me know if that happens. I can't hear it. Oh, it's so funny. It sounded like like a bunch of bottle caps or something. It was really, that's funny. All right, sorry. That was that noise. It's not jingle bells. It's Joanna's hair and, and her microphone. I got it. Okay. I have like so, a metal clasp on here. So maybe it was that. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, let me know if that happens. Oh, I can't hear it. Okay. Uh, makes, a sign. That's good. All right. Sorry, Chris. I totally right. cut you off. I can't do that. Um, yeah. Again, you can mention the family member, you know, I care about you and I'm going to just check in on you every couple of days. And so you can be persistent and patient with it. Um, a while back, uh, we talked about if someone's pre-contemplative about getting some support, you can always ask them like, you know, well, you're not open to getting some support now, but when would you, when would you be open to getting it? Or, um, and usually you get some really good answers saying, well, if I, if it has, you know, I'm still functioning, if it has starts to impact my work, then I will. And then uh, that may, that may happen. They may cross that line and then might be more open to maybe having some um, opportunities for counseling or something. Another piece that I like is, um, I like to meet clients where they're at, but I think that's also important when it comes to friends or family members who are struggling to meet them where they're at. So while we want to invite them to join us in activities, I think it's important for us to join them in their activities. <clears throat> so if they're going to be hanging out reading, it is okay to ask, do you mind if I sit in the same room with, as you and I'll read too? You wouldn't have to talk, but I'll, I'm going to is it okay if I join you in your activity? Mm. Oh, you're playing video games. Is it okay if I sit here and watch for a little bit or play as well? If you know how to play that game, right? Sure. I think that's great. Yeah. yeah. Even if they're just lounging in bed, like if there's something that you can do to be like, oh, you look really cozy. I'm going to sit on your floor for a little while. We don't have to talk. I'm just going to sit here on the floor in a blanket burrito and we can just be quiet together. There we go. It's 
the, you know what, I'm going to join yeah. you. I'm going to break that. It's, it's okay. I'm going to be here. And um, yeah, because sometimes it's really hard for them to, to come and do your activity, right? Sure. Great points. Great points. And yes, and maybe sometimes just that, that, you know, if we have someone again, who's resistant, they don't really feel like talking, maybe just by spending time and showing that, that you care about them and you're willing to, to just be with them, not even pressuring them to talk that that may even have the effect of having, helping them to open up. Right. Yeah. So, and if we're talking about the other side of things, if someone is, we're talking about a severe, more severe mental illness, you know, someone seems to be having a psychotic break, you know, they're kind of losing touch with reality or they are, um, seem to be very, uh, kind of lost in their addiction or, um, uh, really do seem to be so uh, so depressed. Maybe they're showing signs or saying, talking about feeling suicidal, something like that. Um, when, do we, when do we crank it up to the next level and, and get some more people involved, do you think? Yeah, so I, I don't know if that's gonna be different just depending where we're living, right? But if it is a crisis, situation, we have various services in our community. So whether that's going to the emergency room if need be. Um, we also have like an early psychosis intervention or the START team, short-term assessment response team that will come and do an assessment. You can do mental health checks with the police as well. Um, they're working on doing, adding a, a psych nurse to that. So it'll be an officer in a softer uniform. So it's not the full vest and everything with a mental health, somebody who's trained with mental health that will go with them. I don't think that part is part of the mental health checks yet, but they're working on no. uh, developing that. Um, yeah. Yes, that all sounds pretty similar to us. Um, yeah. Certainly ER or emergency rooms, um, ours are called uh, psychiatric evaluation teams, the PET team. And, uh, and I've heard more talk about uh, for, for the police having even a, a more dedicated mental health unit just to uh, to help address mental health issues, which I think is great. Yeah. I think, and certainly things like a suicide hotline, um, mm -hmm. a uh, even backing up a little bit, just alerting like a family physician, if there's someone who's, yeah. if you know, that's, that's what's going on. Just gathering more support, you know, if it's, if we're talking about someone who's, uh, at, at risk of, of hurting themselves or others, or there's a, uh, they really seem to be severely ill, then if they're, even if there are taboos about talking about that sort of stuff in your family, this is the time to break those walls down and let's, let's get all the support we can for our loved one, you know? Yeah, we have to rally the troops, get a team yeah. around them, so. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Another um, option as well, not just for reaching out resources like to other professionals, but I highly recommend that family or friends, depending on your age, um, do some reading, get some education around if there is a diagnosis of what's going on. If uh, then let's start educating you, right? Let's get you mm -hmm. some websites that are credible and uh, good books, or if there's podcasts or whatnot, let's get you educated on what to expect with it. Um, what behaviors might be normal for that diagnosis, what to anticipate, 
see if there's support groups for family members. I mean, there's lots of other things there too, right? That you can do on your own because now again, that parallel process of, oh, so now me as a family member could reach out to help, but do I feel that I'm at a space where I need help? Yes. And should I reach out for counseling, but I don't mm -hmm. think I need that right now. So are there other ways opposed to reaching out to other professionals? Well, you can always read. Yes. Mm -hmm. Educate yourself. There's certainly a lot yeah. of support groups down here. We have a group called NAMI, the National Association for Mental Illness, uh, which is just families and, and friends of, of people, loved ones of, of folks who are struggling with mental illness as a support group. Very uh, helpful and popular down here. Yeah. Cool. Uh, chat rooms, <laughs> forums. There's, I mean, those are all kind of variable uh, degrees of helpfulness, but uh, you can at least find other people who are dealing with the same thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's a very good point, Brooke. I think that's that's really important because you can under, once you, you know, you learn more about whatever's going on and then you could, you know, it might show up in different ways for, for your loved one, but um, it just helps, you know, it helps you understand kind of what's going on, not to take certain things, you know, personally sometimes, or just to be able to gauge, I don't know what's going on and to have the understanding might help you feel more confident in how you approach them or how you support them. So I think that's so, so oh, important. Stay calm about it. Yeah. And to kind of anticipate it a little bit. And I think that's so important, yeah. but it's also, I think, build some compassion. Hopefully totally. there's an insight around it in the sense mm -hmm. of not just the education reading, but often I will send parents an email with resources. Here's a few websites, here's a few books, here's a few things like support. If there's a support group in the issue that they're worried about, you know, here's a bunch of things. And when I follow up with them, they'll say, oh, I haven't looked at any of it yet. I know. So meanwhile, they were the ones who like, there, there's a sense of urgency, rightfully so their child is not doing well and they want to know what to do with, to help. And so we start this journey together. And, but in that moment, I, I find that it's helpful to have that conversation of saying, yeah, so here you are, you're a parent, you have the desire to, you have the tools you haven't been able to for various reasons, then that's okay. Now let's put your, yourself in your child's shoes. If we give them homework to do from counseling, and they haven't been able to do it, we need to be compassionate and kind. We, there needs to be some understanding or flexibility here. Because as you can see, it's not that easy to just read mm -hmm. the book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. there's that, again, that anxiety that's being then projected onto the person, the identified patient. Yeah. Yes, I know we're going back and forth in terms of supporting uh, like a sibling versus a child, but supporting a child like it's, it's such a tough um situation for parents to be in because they don't want to see their kids suffering at the same time if your child is exhibiting symptoms of anxiety or depression you want to do everything humanly possible to support them in terms of doing the things they need to do to to get the support they need so anxiety for instance i've talked to a lot of teachers and a lot sometimes parents swoop in and say my child's really anxious and, and maybe it's best they don't do this test or exam um, at that age, it would be a great opportunity for them, the children, to learn how to step into that discomfort and learn some tools and techniques so that uh, before it becomes more intensive uh, the older they get. Uh, so being very careful not to enable certain behaviors. 
Um, Great yeah, stuff. We could probably spend a whole nother podcast in terms of parenting mm-hmm. techniques here. But um, anxiety is a big one. It's popping up constantly. Sure. Um, and then uh, I was going to say, too, I don't know if you guys have anything to add to that. but No, go for it. I was going to mention something, too, about uh, addiction. Because when it comes to addiction, okay. um, the person who's experiencing the, the substance use is often it's it could be multi-layered there's so many factors that play into it we've talked before about the connection of, of trauma in the past um, but there can also be someone who's experiencing desperation and with that can be, lead to manipulation so they may be kind of contradicting their values a bit and, and doing everything they can to kind of maintain uh, that addiction so boundary setting is, is so important um, and supporting family family members who are experiencing addiction. Um, What's so that, that like? What do you mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, in terms of setting up boundaries. Um, well, you know, for, for instance, money. Like, if someone is asking, a family member is asking for money, or um, just being careful where that money is going. So you may want to ensure that it's going uh, to where going in the direction of something that will actually help them out, not just giving them money um, that could be potentially used for, for drugs. Um, so often if someone's experiencing an addiction, it impacts all the key aspects of their lives. And they may lean on family members to, to, to help them navigate through that. Um, and family members have the best intentions to s- supporting those family members, but it kind of keeps them stuck in that addiction. Uh, instead of maybe getting the support they need. Addiction so scary for families, right? The last thing they want is to see that loved one out on the street um, and and just anything that could go from that, right? But yeah, it's scary. But those boundaries will keep being pushed. And then at what point are you actually keeping them in the addiction? But yeah, this could be a whole other podcast for that. Oh my gosh, there's so many. It's, I feel it's like tricky. this topic to be broken down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's definitely tricky. And I'm not by any means just um, saying play the tough love route there because, um, yeah, I got to, you know, navigate through it carefully. But you mentioned those boundaries. Sometimes they do get pushed. And um, often the clients or, or family members experiencing the addiction kind of, they sense that, right? They know who to go to or, or what to say to kind of get what they want. Yeah. Um, I would say that if you're talking, if we're talking again about you're trying to help a loved one, um, one of the, one of the best things you can do is model healthy behavior for them. Right. Yes. Um, and this is going back to what we're talking about, like checking your own anxiety. If you're having a hard time even holding these conversations with them because you're so anxious, then maybe it'd be great for you to find ways to manage and, and contain your anxiety. Um, or even just your own stress and yeah, stress in general, really. Yeah. And manage your own stress in general. You know, if you, if you go and take steps to try to manage your own mental health in some ways, that's, that's a good thing. And even if you come back and talk about it, well, I just, you know, I went to a therapist and I, I learned some things and it's feeling good. I, I realized I've been doing A, B, and C, and that's been good for me. Not, not to show off, not to, not as a manipulation, but just as a genuine, you know, uh, 
explanation that yeah we all need to, to get some help sometimes we all can uh, can benefit from asking an, an expert for some help um and when it comes to to working with addiction i agree with you chris boundaries are are always key there because really the the addiction itself wants to break boundaries wants to push boundaries in order to get to serve its own needs right i want the drug i want the substance so uh who cares about the, the lock on the door? Who cares about what time it is? Who cares about money? I want this more than anything else. Who what cares about the, the, the relationship boundaries? But if you can model boundaries and say, hey, look, this is, this is what I've, I'm able to give. I can't give anything else other than that. And that, that's where I am. There's something that conveys a message that, yeah, we can, have, we can set a boundary sometimes. There's something, uh, it's possible for us to, to say no. Um, and I know that addiction is much more than that, but at least it's it's a good reminder for people that we don't have to become subject to uh, impulse all the time, right? So I think there's a lot to be said for that. Um, and yes, we could spend a whole other, we will bring out an expert sometime to talk about addictions and maybe, maybe Gabor, Gabor, how do you say Gabor his name? Mate. Gabor Mate. Gabor Mate, yeah. Well, I'm going to send him a, tweet and see if he'll be on our podcast and he could shoot us down too i'm just kidding <laughs> he's a big deal um yeah it'd be great to have him on though you know it's funny is our joanna and i's dad went to school with gabber mate at ubc so i think they knew each other back back in the day there maybe ran in different circles but knew 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 each other and back then he was known as gabber matt i thought it was gaber mate Gaber mate, yeah. yeah, Gaber mate, that's it. Gaber mate. And now he's Gabor, Gabor mate. Uh, that's great. Uh, to wrap this up a little bit, I want to go back to to Joanna's question of like, okay, what if we've been talking a lot about resistance, or right? maybe I introduced that whole idea of like, you know, what if something doesn't want to go? How do you get them to to get seek some help? You know, all of that is is for a lot of people that's a big struggle, but it's not always the struggle. Sometimes. You have someone, a loved one, it's a spouse, it's a child, it's a partner, you know, or a sibling, whatever it might be, who's actually in treatment. They're, they're, they're doing what they can to take care of themselves. And you're just wondering, what can I do to support them? Right? Yeah. It's, it's not a struggle. You just want to know, oh, hey, this is, uh, this is my spouse and, and she's in treatment and, and I don't know what to do about that. How do we... How would you intervene with something like that? Well, I think it kind of full circles back to, I think there's like key points that'll come up as you mentioned at the start too, Ryan, that there's gonna be themes to this. Um, but I, I think a large part of it comes to communication skills, healthy communication um, yeah. and connection. So focusing on the relationship and having a strong relationship and a big part of that is having healthy communication. Because I think when you're feeling connected and when you're feeling heard, that's a great space for healing in general. And so if that means sitting with negative emotions, if it's a hard day, if it means being attuned, if it's a partner, like if you have picked up what this person normally does when they don't feel well and automatically doing those things for them, that's going to go right. a long way because they're going to feel that someone has seen them and heard them and is attuned to them and somebody has them, somebody's got them they can feel assurance there. Totally. Yes, the connection and the communication, right. 
I think I think this, the main thing you could do is ask, hey, how can I support you during this time, right? Mm-hmm. Anything I can do to help? Anything you need from me? Happy to be here to support you. And hopefully the if they feel safe enough to ask you and you know, feel like, okay, I'll trust you with some of this, they can tell you, all right, here's what it would be helpful from you, right? Which I think is is important. Um, for some folks that maybe just they want uh, an ear, they want someone to to lean on and be able to talk to. Maybe they need some help with some things. Oh, hey, I, I started taking some medication, and I um, I need I need someone to help me keep track of that, you know. Or, um, you know, can you check in with me after after a session because I tend to be kind of out of it, you know, whatever it might be. It'd be great to just uh, to offer up your help and be able to, to lend that support to them. For sure. Yeah. Joanna gone? That's it? Yeah, she left. That's okay. it. She took her <laughs> bag of nickels and went off somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's all right. So uh, I guess we'll just end on that note. Joe already ended, so we're, the rest of us yeah. will end. <laughs> uh, so that is it, everyone. Great topic, by the way, Brooke. Great Hooray. topic. Great topic. I know you were tired today, but you really came with the, the good topic for us. Yeah. And next time, our banter, we will answer the question, are aliens actually humans who have learned how to time travel? I would love to answer that one. It's kind of out there, but I love it. So... That's it. Like and subscribe. Oh, there's Joe again. Like and subscribe on Apple, Google, Podbean, Audible, Spotify, Spotify, Stitcher. That's our new edition, Stitcher or YouTube. Send your questions to info at mentalhealthbootcamp.com. Visit us on Facebook or Instagram. Tell a friend or two and read together because we're going to talk about it together next week. Good night, everybody. Everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.